This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Great to be in church this morning, isn't it? If it's your first time here at ABC Church, we give you a really, really warm welcome. It's fantastic to see you. And if you're joining us online, thanks for taking the time um, to listen in. Can I ask you a question? Has it happened to you? I mean, has it happened to you? You know, when you're, when you're younger and it happens to you, it's kind of, it's an embarrassing thing when it happens. And you're thinking, good grief, you know, why would you ask such a question? Can't, can't you tell? You know what I'm on about, don't you? When it happens to you. It happens to you if you need to, either at the supermarket or... If you're at the pub or if you're in a restaurant, that you order an alcoholic drink. And if you were like me, that I was 21 years of age and looked 14, they would ask you that. They would ask you the question, has it happened to you? And the question is, can I see some ID? And so you flip out a driver's license, don't you? Or passport, if you happen to carry one of those with you all the time or whatever. But you hand out some form of ID to prove who you are and how old you are. And then they do this, don't they? And they have a look and say, is that you? I am reliably informed that if you look like your passport photo, you're too unwell to travel. That, that is official. That is official. So they look, and they, they look to compare whether you fix the ID. But, but can I ask, has it happened to you? Has it happened to you again? Because what happens, you get to a certain age, and you get to a certain age, and they stop asking you that question, don't they? It's terrible. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you're doing, and, and now I've gone into the habit of asking them, do you, want, do you want to see my ID? And they look at me and they think, no. <laughs> Why would I want to see your ID? And I said, what are you trying to tell me? Come on. <laughs> but I would want to tell you, we were on holiday in Florida. We were at Walmart. This is two years ago. How long ago is it? <laughs> two years ago when I was aged 46. I look good for 46. I look so good at 46 that when I went into Walmart and I got to the till, I think I bought a box of Corona, it's lovely beer, we were there enjoying our holiday, and I said, come on, let's have a barbecue when we get back to the, uh, back to the apartment, and we'll buy a little bottle of four Coronas, and that's what we did, and I went across, and I got to the till, and she looked at me, and she said, can I see some identification, please? I'm like... <laughs> I said, Ruth, she's asking... Ruth, come here. (laughs) Ruth. She's asking me for ID. I was made up. And I said, Ruth, she's asking me for ID. And she's looking at me like daft. And she leaned to me and she broke my heart. You know what she says? Because this is America for you. So that people aren't offended if you look 40 or under. As a matter of course, so nobody's offended. We ask you for identification. (laughs) She broke my little heart. She says, I can tell by looking at you, you're over 21, which is the the limit in the USA. And she broke my heart. 
there and then. So this week or uh, this month as you go asking for ID and you present it, I want you to think about something. And what I want you to think about is the concept of identification. My message to you this morning is called identity theft. Identity theft. And identity theft is all over the place, isn't it? It's rife at the moment. How many of you now bought things like shredders and have them in your house? Any of you got a shredder? Yes, yes. Any of you like using the shredder? I've got to admit, I do have a bit of shredder OCD. I like the shredder. I like putting stuff in the shredder. I've put things that shouldn't go in the shredder in the shredder. It happened to me at work once. I leaned over to put something in the shredder. My tie got into the shredder. It did. I'm like, there. I'm going, I'm going. Down. And you'd be glad to know I hit the stop button before the whole of me went. <laughs> Where's Philip gone? I don't know. Some red paper in here. Oh, is that too much on a Sunday morning? Identity theft. And do you know, identity theft is nothing new. It's nothing new in this century or the last century. In fact, even in the Bible, you can read stories of Jacob and Esau and other people who, you know, he went and st stole his brother's birthright. And in order to do that, the scriptures tell us this amazing, amazing story because his brother was real hairy. And so he kills a goat and puts goat fur on his arm so that when his father comes to bless him, he uses identity theft to steal something that wasn't his. What is that? Four and a half, five thousand years ago, identity theft was alive and well then, and it's alive and well now. And I want to turn to God's word this morning and show you that identity theft doesn't just take place in our lives. It can also take place in our hearts as well. Andrea shared a scripture at the beginning of the service from John chapter 8, and it's from John chapter 8 I want to take you this morning. So hang with me, okay, while we read this scripture together. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is freedom in Jesus for us today if we follow God's word. So we're going to read together, and we're going to fire in and start reading at, I think, about verse 27, I think it is, uh, Lee. Fire it up on screen and follow me. So I'm going to, verse 21, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture for you, and I want you to, if you can, follow on screen, or if you've got your phone with you, flip it up and follow on the Bible, ignore the notifications, right? Those notifications that are popping up now, those little red things, ignore them, just turn to the Bible straight away. And we're going to look from verse 21, and we're going to follow the Scripture together. Because I want you to understand this rather complex story. And it's in this story that the phrase comes from, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And by means of illustration today, I'm going to share with you this story through the use of two films that you've probably seen as well. Any of you seen a, good, a few good men with Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, and uh, Tom Cruise? Any of you seen the film? Hands up if you've seen the film. Not too high because it's hot in here today. Don't want the person next to you fainting with B.O. And, uh, so, so how many of you have seen the film this morning? Yeah, it's a great film. And I love the courtroom scene with Lieutenant Caffey at the end there. Have you seen it? And he's trying to get him to admit the colonel that he's... He's um, uh, kind of given instruction for um, the, the, uh, the uh, young soldier to have the code read. And there's this engagement that takes place 
in the, in the uh, courtroom and these lovely words, get it on YouTube, it's great, it's awesome. Jack Nicholson, what an awesome answer. And he says to him, you want the truth, said the colonel. And uh, <laughs> uh, Caffey, Lieutenant Caffey responds, I want the truth. And he comes in with this wonderful word, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. And he says it with veins popping in his, you know, Jack Nicholson. Anybody seen the film? Yeah. yeah, it's better in real life than the illustration I just gave you of the film right now. But, you know, get it on YouTube or, or, or listen to it. Because it comes from this passage of Scripture, does the truth. And the truth is a great thing, isn't it? Is the truth a great thing? To know the current reality that you're in. I think I shared with you some, some years ago of a friend of, of mine that came to, to see me and he sits down with me and says, Phil, he says, look, I, I just never thought this would happen to us. And I said, yeah, you know, what do you want about, do, do you know, tell me what's going on. And um, she said to me, I found out this morning that my husband is having an affair. What devastating news to have, isn't it? And over time, through conversation, there became an appreciation of understanding that truth. Because imagine living the lie. Imagine living the lie of going through the whole of your life, not knowing that your husband's having an affair. So the truth, no matter how messed up it can be sometimes, the truth is a good thing. If there's something toxic in my body that is killing me right now, do you think I want to know? Do you think I want to know? I might not like the information or the thought of having to go to the hospital or sit in front of the doctor, but the truth is a good thing. The truth is something that helps me define reality and make decisions about it that will affect my future and the future of others. So the truth is really, really important. And this area of identity theft, the enemy and the world seeks to steal and to kill and destroy everything that's in us to have us not to be aware of the truth. So let's turn to this um, scripture together for a couple of moments this morning. Once more, this is Jesus. Okay, he's there with his disciples, and he's having some dialogue with the Pharisees. They, they were religious people in those days. They were people that were saying you should live like, that, life, live like, that, like this in a certain way, following the teachers, teachings of Moses and Abraham. And Jesus comes into the world and starts accusing them of loads of different things, that they are hypocrites, that they're doing all kinds of things that they shouldn't be doing if they followed the teachings of Moses and Abraham properly. That they shouldn't be condemning people like stoning the woman caught in adultery. That they should show forgiveness and other things like that in the way that they live their lives. So Jesus comes to challenge their mindset and how they're living. But look at what happens here with identity theft. Verse 21, once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And Jesus is foretelling his crucifixion that's going to happen in this verse. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world I am not of this world. And what we believe as Christians, folks, we're not deluded. 
we believe that Jesus was the very Son of God that came to earth, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, and died on a cross to set us free. That's what we believe. And we believe he's alive, that he, uh, we celebrate it in the Christian calendar over Easter, that Jesus rose from the dead and returned back to heaven. And today, he sat down on the right hand of the Father, praying for us, interceding for us, willing you and championing you on right now today. And we broke bread earlier. We had communion together, celebrating the fact that Jesus is going to come again. And the whole reason we take communion is to do this in remembrance of me until I come again, says Jesus. That's why we do it. So he is from above. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. And he's referring to God the Father that has sent him um, there. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, and uh, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught about me. And when he's saying being lifted up, he's talking about the, the crucifixion that's to, that's to come. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. That's a great verse, verse for us too, isn't it? Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm going to pause there. This, you'll know the truth, and the truth sets you free, is set on the backdrop of this text. It's set on the backdrop of understanding that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the very Son of God, and that we too, in response to who he is, that we really are his disciples if we follow his teachings and follow what he does. Get it? That's Christianity. That's the Christian faith, quite simple. Okay, verse 33. Jesus, re they answered, sorry, they answered him, we are Abram's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? That's 30, verse 33. We're going to come back to, the minute, to, to come back to it in a moment. They connect themselves saying, we are children of Abraham that had come generations before. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone who does wrong, is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How cool is the word of God? You know that you are Abraham descendants. He reminds them of what they've just said. Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Because they're living life in a dysfunctional way, twisting all the scriptures to suit 
their own ends. I am telling you that I have seen in the Father's presence. I, I tell you, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abram is our father, they answered. Look how far they go. Abram is our father, they answered. If you were Abram's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. Let's pray. Father God, I pray as we turn to these scriptures this morning that you would help us to understand your word clearly in the area of identity and who we are in you. I pray that you'd open our minds to understand. I pray that you'd open our hearts to be able to accept the truth. And I pray that you'd open our ears so that we can hear your word. I ask in Jesus' name and for his praise and glory we ask. Amen. Amen. It was 1997 when it happened to us. 1997. We'll never forget what it was like that moment when it happened to us. In fact, it was nothing to do with going to a pub or a restaurant and trying to order an alcoholic drink and being shown ID. It was something else that happened to us that was way, way worse than that. You see, we had moved out of our house in Pennebank a couple of months earlier. And when we'd left, we'd changed the dress and let everybody know that we had changed the dress. In fact, I think it was 1999, I think it happened, actually, not 1997. I've just corrected that in my head. Um, and we had um, decided, after we had moved house, uh, we had decided three years after moving house, you know when the mortgage deal that you have comes up for, uh, for renewal again and you lose the, uh, the mortgage deal that you had? How many of you mortgage at least every three years? I hope you do that on you to turn your mortgage over and get a better mortgage deal, pay it off early, save yourself the interest, and we'd gone to do that. So Ruth and I had sat down, and with our financial advisor, we'd gone and kind of gone for this uh, mortgage application, and then it came back, the report from the mortgage advisor, we had been declined for a mortgage. And the reason we had been declined for a mortgage, mortgage is that Ruth Morgan, my wife, sat right there had a pile of outstanding debts. I've got to be honest, it was a shock to me. I was rather devastated. You know, we're the kind of family, when we got married, I'd say, how many of you do the separate bank accounts, husband and wife thing? Hands up, how many of you do that? Okay, there's quite a few that do that. We're a joint account family. What's mine is hers. What's hers is hers. That's the way it works in our house. Yes, yeah, so we all put it together and we all spend out of this one account. And we've always kind of been open and honest about our finances. And she sa I say to her, is it okay if I change the car? And I said, yeah, yeah. Is it okay? I use the word, is it okay? And she uses the words back to me, I have. Just letting you know, I've ordered a new sofa. Just, that's the way it works in life, isn't it? And so... This moment had happened in our home where all of these debts and Ruth went white. I went even whiter. I did. Where are these debts? What, what's going on here? Littlewood's catalogue. Next directory. Now, I'm not judging or saying anything, but I'm not sure I saw Ruth wearing any Littlewood's clothes. So I says, where have all these clothes? And in fact, we had a look at look, like all of this stuff that was there, and they, they were even taking Ruth to court over these things. Guess what had happened, folks? 
identity theft. The person that had bought our house when we had moved out and decided to continue applications in Ruth Morgan's name, decided to order stuff from Littlewoods, decided to do all of those kind of things. It happened to us. Not only did it happen to Ruth, it happened here in the Scripture to these Pharisees. You see, Jesus is coming and trying to tell them who they really are in Jesus. And I want to share with you three things, three strategies that the enemy has, and they're the same strategies that he uses everywhere. They are the same things. If I could get these tattooed on you, I would love it, but it's not kind of the right thing to have it tattooed on you. If I could give you T-shirts with these three words on it, I would love to do that, but it's not the right thing that you could put on a T-shirt. You see, the enemy has three primary strategies to destroy anything in your life, your marriage, your career, your identity, your children. He only has three strategies in the main that he uses. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And in the area of our identity, he does the same thing here again. Read it with me in the scriptures. You see, in verse 33, he tries to, the enemy has hoodwinked the Pharisees to steal their ancestry. To have you think that you are someone you are not. Whenever I check into a hotel, I don't know why they do it, to be honest. Whenever I check into a hotel, they ask me for two things when I check into the hotel. Three things, actually. They ask me to sign the bottom. And I still don't know why they ask, why they ask it, why nationality is important. And I put down there, and I sometimes got a choice. Do I put down Welsh? Or do I put down British? And depending on where I'm staying and what mood I'm in, sometimes I'll put Welsh, and sometimes I'll put British. Generally speaking, it happens around the Six Nations tournament. I've got to be honest, or around the World Cup. Generally, I'm okay about it, and I'll write I'm British. But sometimes, I'm sorry, I get a bit patriotic and nationalistic, and I write it in big capital letters, Welsh, fist pen, Welsh. And, I, and they ask me for my car registration number and a certificate. You see, our ancestry is key to our identity. And it's interesting that they say, that Moses is our father. Can I ask you who your father is? You see, because we can say, or I can say, can't I, in the natural, my father is David James Morgan. But my real father is God the Father, the one that shaped me and made me in his unique design. And what happens here is they are barking on about Abraham. They're saying, what, what, what do you mean? Why, why are you telling us that we're not following things properly? Properly, We're sons of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had. And they fail to gather who Jesus is. And they fail to understand that he is the very son of God. And that he's come not to put a line through Abram and the law and the prophets, but as Jesus said himself, he's come to fulfill. And they don't like the change that's coming with it. They don't like the fact that they really have to live life and be challenged that they live up to the identity of who God says that we are, that we are his 
children. And the reason I love that, you know, next week is Father's Day. I am so, so privileged and blessed that I had a great father that loved me, cared for me, and did so much for me. But, you know, not everybody has that kind of experience. In fact, I was wondering whether I would use a piece of video footage in the service this morning to communicate to you. It's six minutes long, um, but I'm not. I'll post it on Facebook earlier. If some of you can share it. I'm going to ask the, the team if they'll put it on the, on the church Facebook. It's a really interesting story of, on a testimony from Christine Kane. It's only six minutes long. And she, she describes how her world fell apart at age 33 when her mother and father, who had adopted her, had sought to just hide the fact that she was adopted, and her brother had discovered, and the whole truth was out. And she'd lost all sense of who she was in terms of orientation. She says, it was literally as if my world fell apart. I know the harsh reality of life is there are many people, even you here right now, you might have a, a, had a, a parental upbringing that your father might have done all kinds of things that were really wholly inappropriate, might not have loved you, might have abandoned you, your real father, you might not even know who he is or who he was. That is a lie of the enemy. That is the ultimate identity theft. You need to realize today that you're a child of God. You are who He says you are. And you are awesome in His sight. He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His son Jesus, who we read about this morning, to die for you. So the first strategy of the enemy in the area of identity theft is to steal your identity. Can I ask you to go on a journey of discovery to discover your identity. In fact, can I ask you, guys, you love this, the films I'm afraid I'm going to ask you to help today with me, they're not romantic ones, they're not, it's not Pretty Woman, you know, it's not like all these singing ones that are coming out, it's not even a bit of Monsters, Inc. or Madagascar, or, they're proper men's films. What are they, guys? Men's. They're men's films. Men's films. I want you to be Jason Bourne this morning. Can you do it? Can you, do, can you do a Jason Bourne? When the film came out, Jason Bourne, the first one, the Bourne identity. He comes up out of the beach, doesn't he, where he's just there. You remember the opening scenes, don't you? Watch it on YouTube. Go home, Jason Bourne. Bourne identity. Watch the first one if you want to. He does not know where he is or who he is. And his quest starts to find out who am I? And where the name Jason Bourne comes from is he finds himself in that first couple of minutes in the film. He's, all he's got is a safety deposit key, and he opens the safety deposit key, and there's a pile of passports there, and he flicks through them, and he picks one, and he opens it up. There's his picture. There's his name, and it says on it, Jason Bourne. And he finds out who he is? No. He's got part of the story, the rest of the four series films, which are awesome, aren't they, lads? <laughs> Great films. Aren't they awesome, ladies? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the rest of the series is him finding out who he really is. So can I ask you to be a bit Jason Bourne today and ask yourself the question, well, who really am I? I want to tell you on the authority of God's word today, you are a child of God and you are precious in his sight. The second film I love, 
What's the film, guys? Oh, The Matrix. Yes, see, that was simple. Could you tell the way I was, you know, bending at speed there? Okay, no. <laughs> he had a choice, didn't he, did Neo? He had a choice in the two pills. He could either take the red pill. Oh, Andrea, very good. He could take the red pill or he could take the blue pill. What did the blue pill do? The blue pill kept him where he was in his false content reality. That he could just carry on in blissful unawareness of how the universe was actually working according to the film. Or he could take the red pill. And in taking the red pill, he would really understand the real truth and how life and the universe and the meaning of everything, apparently, was put together. The choice between the red pill and the blue pill. And the second way that the enemy works in our lives is not just through stealing our ancestry, but to kill your identity. And the way he kills your identity is to give you labels. He gives you labels, and you'll find this quite often when you ask people, you know, tell me about yourself. Great question. You know, if you meet someone at a party, or if you meet somebody socially or in business, and say, hi, I'm Andrea. Good to meet you, Andrea. How are you? Right. Say, hi, I'm Andrea. And they will say, hi, I'm Clive. Okay, that's not dramatic enough for you. Antonio, is that okay? Antonio. My name is Antonio, and I'm from Sicily. Okay, so see, she's, well, she's there now. And so... One of the questions that Andrea could say, Antonio, you're lovely. <laughs> tell me about yourself. It's amazing what people will say when they tell you about yourself. Some people will start with geography. I'm from Wales. Particularly if it's Six Nations season and you're from Wales. Or people will tell you, I'm a school teacher. Or other people will tell you, I'm divorced. Other people will tell you, I'm gay. Other people will tell you, I'm unemployed. And we grab all kinds of identities through life, most of them not good and healthy, that the enemy puts on our lives. Our labels that the clinicians put on us, that we are autistic or ADHD, or, and I'm not trying to say anything, you know, those are, are, are really, really uh, difficult things for, for people to cope with in life, but we are not defined by who the doctor says we are. We are not defined by the circumstances that happened to us. God doesn't care if you're divorced. He really doesn't. He loves you unconditionally. I love the love of God, it's so vast, it's unmeasurable, it's unchanging. I love the principles of God's love. Do you know God's love is so powerful that there's nothing you can do to make him love you more? And there's nothing you could do to make him love you less. God's love, it just is. It just is. How powerful is that? 
And whether we take a red pill or the blue pill or whether circumstance happens to us, whether we get good news, bad news from the doctor, whatever happens, we are not defined by our labels. But what the enemy seeks to do in order to kill your destiny, in order to kill your future, he has you carry those labels around you in life that you're not capable. I shared with you before R.M. Williams when I took the computer network down in school because I was a bit clever on computers. And he got really annoyed, all those Commodore Pets. Remember Commodore Pet? Any geeks in the room with me? Commodore Pets, they were fantastic. They were, took the whole network down and then he grabbed me and held me up. It was in the days that school teachers could do that kind of thing. And, <laughs> and get away with it. Held me up on the wall and declared these words, Morgans, you and computers will never make it together in life. <laughs> the irony, eh? But I am who he says I am. There ain't no school teacher going to define who I am. And there is no school teacher going to define who you are, no matter what the statistics, no matter what the percentage is. If you want to be a, an a Olympic gold medalist, javelin thrower, Kenny, you go for it, bro. And goes to Athens and then just goes whoosh when everybody probably around you and your family is saying, what are you doing that for, Kenny? Are you off your head? What are you doing that for? But it's in your heart to do it. Just go for it. Go for it. You are not defined by your labels. So if we did have a piece of craft for us to do this morning, Andrea, as you suggested, it would have been, and I was in two minds whether to do it, but for the sake of time, I've got two minutes to go, I didn't do it. And I was going to ask you, maybe you want to do this at home. I want you to take some labels that have been on you. I did this this week, believe it or not. I was away in Edinburgh, and as I was kind of praying and preparing for this, I thought, what labels have been put on me in life? And I wrote one down, short, and an expletive on it. <laughs> Titch, sprout, thick, unintelligent, stupid. Those are all the things. And do you know what? I wrote all of these words, and I took the bin, and I chucked these words in the bin. And I put them in, because that's not who I am, is it? Okay, I'm, look, look, I haven't got the brain, you know, that's like, uh, I don't know, Einstein. I know that, but I'm certainly not stupid. I'm certainly not thick, I think. And so I chucked all of it, because I am who he says I am. And I put them in the bin, and I got so wound up about it, I even went to the bin, and I thought, what can I do? I've got to be able to set this on fire somehow. <laughs> But I didn't because it was a local alarm in the Airbnb and I didn't want to cause a scene on it. But, you know, we need to put stuff in the bin. We are not defined by our labels. We are not defined by that at all. And they were defining themselves by labels in the Scripture. We're Abram's sons. That was their... That, they were living this false truth. Of who, yes, it was the truth, part of the truth. They had lost sight of the fact that they were God's children. And the last thing, not only will he steal our ancestry, not only will he kill our identity, the last thing, he will destroy your truth. You see, because when it comes from our ancestry and asking who and knowing who our father is, and as a consequence of that, we start putting false labels on ourselves and we begin to define our reality by what people say about us rather than who we really are and who God has designed us to be. And when we know who God has designed him to be, 
we step into this wonderful place called truth. And we know the truth, and it sets us free. And that's why Jesus was preaching this text. He's saying, you are listening to a lie. He goes on to say that. I, can't, I haven't got time to read the whole scripture. But he says, you're listening to these lies on your life. Don't you know that I am the very Son of God? You'll know it one day when I'm going to be killed and they lift me up. You, you, it'll, it'll be staring you in the face. And even now to this day, if you go to Israel, you will find people there today that are still waiting for the Messiah to come are still following the teachings of Abraham, are still living in a world of identity theft right now because they do not realize that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he came to set us all free. Do you want the truth? Can you handle the truth? Can you go for it with me in discovering our truth? We've talked about three films today, haven't we? We've talked about being Jason Bourne. We've talked about discovering who we really are and going on a quest through life to know what our real identity is. Can I ask you to be Jason Bourne today? And can I ask you, like Neo, to swallow that red pill and to find out the real truth? Who does God say that you are really asked? You know, just read the scriptures and understand that God has a plan for our lives, that he knit us together, that I am who he says I am, all of me. I might have wanted to be six foot four like big Gary over there. Would have been nice, wouldn't it? Gary, I have never bumped my head in my life. <laughs> It'd be nice to be six foot four. But I am as tall as I am, like a little ninja. <laughs> the taller they are, the harder they fall. But we can have all these things. In fact, Gary might have wanted to be more my size. I'm pretty sure he does when he goes to get a suit. I can find a suit, no problem at all. Unlike Gary that will walk around with sleeves up to his elbows, probably, when he goes to find a suit. Because we are who he says we are. Girls, you might want to look like Kim Kardashian or Meghan Markle or whatever it is. <laughs> what? Be who you are. You do you. You be you. Because God has designed and made you in his own image. The team are going to come and we're going to introduce a new song to you at the end. But can I ask you, do you want the truth? You can handle the truth. Go on this quest. And as we, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a, a start a new series together where we're going to look at this series, a, a series that's going to be over a, a couple of weeks called I'm Offended. I'm Offended. And I'm going to look at this area of how when we are faced with truth and sometimes when some people hear the truth, they get offended. And how we need to learn, both as Christians and as believers, of people of faith or no faith, we have to learn to take in information and to process it in our lives in a rational way rather than be polarized. So can I ask you today, don't get polarized. Don't get polarized, camped in your area of identity theft. Get into God's Word. And maybe, if you're listening online, you maybe never even opened the Scriptures before. Go on the journey with me and discover who you really are.
Let's pray together. Father God, I just pray that over the next couple of weeks in our church and this week, as we turn to scriptures and as we uh, listen to songs and as we do all that we do as believers, Lord, to build our lives up, will you teach us that we are not defined by who school teachers say we are, by our enemies, who they say we are, not even some toxic friends that maybe we've, we've had that have tried to tell us this and tell us that. Lord, not even ex-husbands or ex-wives or kids or parents. Lord, that we are who you say we are. And we stand in the truth that is a God that loves us and has a plan for our lives. And Lord, I pray for people that are maybe on their own journey of faith. Lord, will you help them to go on a Jason Bourne journey today? And like Neo, take a red pill. And Lord, begin to question the realities of life. And in so doing, we shall know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59 6000.